My friends, so glorious to be with you today on my very first St. Veronica Feast Day in, your, in our wonderful parish and falling on a Sunday. So glorious indeed. You know, today we have this very familiar parable of the sower. In the next couple of weeks, we will continue to meditate on a number of the parables in Matthew's Gospel. What are these parables? Well, Pope, Fran Pope Benedict says in the parables, Jesus is speaking of himself, explaining the mystery of his mission, and thus the mystery of the kingdom. They speak in code about Christ. The decision that he demands is a decision about how one stands toward him. In other words, what is our relationship with Jesus? They are, he says, invitations to discipleship. So if today's parable is really all about Jesus, and it is, what is it saying? You know, I have heard homilies, I've given them myself, unhelpful homilies, honestly, that point out the ancient farming techniques in Palestine, that farmers threw down seed before they plowed. Therefore, much of the seed was, in a certain sense, by design, scattered on ground that's unsuitable. Friends, this parable is not, it is not about God's inefficiency, nor is it about God being unintelligent. God knows where to place the seed. Then why does he throw it everywhere? Because God is generous. God is incredibly generous, and in fact, all the readings today point in part, at least, to God's generosity. They're about encountering the divine person of Jesus Christ, who is abundantly generous with his word. He is abundantly generous with his grace. This parable is about what relationship with him is like, what discipleship looks like. Ultimately, it is about an invitation to fall more perfectly in love with him. Whoever has ears ought to hear. And so in light of Jesus' invitation to love today, let's look at the soil in today's parable. First, someone who is truly in love does not have a hardened heart. They're not on this hard path. Their ears and eyes and hearts and minds are not closed to truth, beauty, and goodness. Knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom, Jesus said, is not granted to those who close their ears and eyes and hearts and minds to it. It's, it's uh, interesting how this gospel today began with three simple words, just like last week. On that day, well, it begs the question, on what day? Well, on the day that the Pharisees and scribes accused Jesus of being Beelzebul, in other words, being the devil, on that day in which they demanded he give them a sign. You know, they hear without understanding, and not because they aren't bright. In fact, they were some of the brightest, but because they don't want to change. They don't want to submit to God's will. Some have, Jesus says, closed their eyes and ears 
because they are afraid to understand and be converted, and they miss the opportunity to be healed by him. They love their sin more than they love the Lord. They are that hardened path, and they are therefore easy pickings for the evil one to come by and remove the grace. My friends, I think it is easy to look around our broken world and wonder, where is this all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving and merciful God? Well, we know, please God, that he is there. And any kids out here, perhaps spouses that are coming here, on, not on your own, I suppose, it's easy, I think, to look around and be unimpressed by how the adults are responding to grace that accompanies a relationship with this loving and merciful God. But I see many that you are making great sacrifice. Many are responding to grace. And take it from someone who has spent much of his life on that hardened path, with that hardened heart. Jesus is inviting as you, as he has invited me in the past, and continues to invite, to take that first step to embrace the first gift of the Holy Spirit, fear of the Lord, to simply have awe and wonder of the majesty of God. Invite the God of mystery into your hearts and minds more perfectly right now. Take Pascal's wager. Bet your life that God exists. What have we got to lose? We have everything to gain. Everything to gain, including eternity. God is waiting, and he is generous with his grace. Secondly, someone who is truly in love has matured from childish love to true love that has depth to it. They've worked to remove obstacles to expressions of love, these rocks, sin, if you will. But some love is childish. It's based simply on emotion. Perhaps we went on a retreat. Maybe we had a great conversation with a friend. Maybe we heard a good homily, I don't know. And we're filled with joy and emotion. But then life happens. Life happened and the cause of discipleship happened. And emotion fades. We followed Christ to the Calvary, but we're unwilling to die on the cross with him because we want roses without thorns. We love that good feeling that we experience, this beautiful consolation of our prayer, but we loved it more than the person who gave us that consolation and were unwilling to pay the price of disciples should be asked of us. My friends, take it from someone who has spent a long time, uh, still do, in this rocky soil, seeking one consolation after another, emotion seeking. I wasn't, sometimes I still don't, seek Christ. I simply medicate. I medicate wanting to feel good. And when tribulations and persecutions come, well, I am a hot mess. Perhaps some of you have experienced this. If you find yourself among the rocks, know that things will get better. But only if we more perfectly fall in love with him. Remember, the parables are not about us. They're about Jesus. Fall in love with him. He'll get us through the darkness. He'll get us through these difficult moments. But only if we give our lives over to him. 
Our problems may not go away. I do think some will. Sometimes I think we create our own problems. But he'll help us carry the, those problems that do remain and to perhaps even carry them with peace and joy. Thirdly, someone who is truly in love is not anxious and afraid. And the lure of riches is not a temptation. They only want their beloved. And the thorns of the world do not choke out their love for their beloved. My friends, I'm also an expert on this soil. I spend far too much time here. I know that perfect love casts out all fear. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Love does not calculate, and on and on and on. We know these truths of our faith. We know, yet we easily forget. Sometimes we take our eyes off Jesus and we look at the storm and we begin to sink. We get busy. We're simply trying to make ends meet, perhaps. We're simply trying to provide for ourselves and for our families. Things are fine. We'll turn to God when they aren't and the thorns begin to grow. One day we forget to make our morning offering. The next day, we forget our daily rosary. Then we stop blessing our food in public. We stop making our examine during our night prayer. We skip mass while on vacation. Perhaps we begin to focus really only on the externals. So we look good on the outside, but we do not feed the internal, that internal and important relationship with the Lord. And before we know it, we're trying to well, we're trying to go on life on our own, and we fail over and over and over again, choked by the thorns of worldly allurements. But please, God, we've also experienced the good soil. Someone who is truly in love bears fruit. That fruit manifests itself oftentimes in peace. It manifests itself in joy and a fulfillment, a life truly fulfilling. It's not that we don't have problems, but it's that we know that we can get through them as long as we are with our beloved. The greatest fruit of this soil is a life that gives praise and glory to God. My friends, if we want to be the rich soil, and I hope we all do, and not because it's the only path that leads to peace and joy, because it is the path that leads to praise. If we want this, my friends, we must allow the divine sower to till the soil of our hearts and minds. And my friends, it will hurt a little. In fact, it may hurt a lot. Plowing hurts when the blade digs deep. It digs deep because the Lord has work to do in us. Perhaps that is why the church paired this parable today with Romans chapter 8. I consider the sufferings of this present time as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. Creation awaits with eager anticipation in hope for us to be set free from slavery to sin, for us to share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. These groanings of our labor pains will lead to the grace of adoption. 
They will lead to that inheritance, which is eternal life, that inheritance, which is a life well-lived and complete fulfillment and happiness. If we want all that and more, my friends, we simply need to look to the example of our patron, to St. Veronica. Our feast day, of course, today, it seems like we complicate things sometimes. Sometimes we get things backwards. But St. Veronica simply offered him her veil. She offered him her veil in an attempt to provide him with a small comfort on his road to Calvary, his journey with the cross. A small act of kindness in gratitude for the suffering that he endured. He left his face upon her veil. He leaves his Eucharistic face here right now every day for us to adore, to encounter that God of love and mercy in intimate prayer. Blessed are our eyes because they see and our ears because they hear. Let us all reject the heresy of this is just the way that I am. We can all be that rich soil. We can all bear much fruit for the kingdom because God is incredibly generous. He backs up the crowd. He backs up from the crowd, I, I said, so he can be generous in scattering his seed far and wide. By doing so, he draws us to the water's edge, a symbol of the saving waters of baptism. The sower covers the entire landscape with the seed of his grace. He exhausts himself, literally pouring himself out in the world through the blood of, the, of his cross. He throws his word and his grace to the ground so that it begins to experience belonging. My friends, we belong. We belong to him. We belong with him. And the parables reveal by concealing and they prompt each of us to act, to turn to Jesus, to allow his word to not return to him void. How will we respond to this grace today? How will we respond to this incredible gift? I pray we respond with generosity, opening our hearts and minds widely to the divine sower today, that we may bear much fruit for the kingdom. And may God be praised. Amen.